Our goal that sent me to sleep is to help the world get a good night's rest. Everyone deserves that. So if you're enjoying the show, please make sure that you've followed the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast player you use. And if you have a moment, review the show on Apple Podcasts. All of this helps the show reach new listeners. Thank you so much for your support. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 9 and 10 of The Shadow Witch by Gertrude Crownfield. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 9 Close to the mouth of the cave of darkness, but cleverly hidden from the view of any passer-by, sat a company of imps. They had been commanded to keep ceaseless watch at that point for the stranger prince who was expected soon to appear, and they were instructed to seize him as soon as he attempted to enter the cave, and to bring him bound to their master. The time had been long, and they were now yawning for very weariness, yet they dared not relax their vigilance, knowing, as they did, that they would be severely punished by the wizard if they allowed the prince to slip by them unobserved. At last one of the imps arose and stretched himself, for his limbs were cramped and stiff. I go to spy over the plain, he said. I shall be absent but a moment. His companions nodded indifferently, and he strolled slowly towards the entrance of the cavern. All at once he stopped, transfixed with surprise for at the cave mouth he saw for a single instant a richly glowing figure standing, one who could be no other than the strange prince, he for whom they waited. Scarcely had he seen it, however, than it disappeared. He rushed back to his fellows. The prince is here, he whispered hoarsely. I saw him at the cave mouth. To be sure he has vanished, but I know he is close by. The imps started to their feet and stood ready. The ropes of darkness with which they were to bind the prince clutched firmly in their hands. But no one appeared, and when they searched the cave mouth, they did so in vain. Presently, they began to scoff at their companion. Your eyes are wearied with long watching, 
they told him. They have played you false. Come not to us with such idle tales. Nay, but I saw him, the imp insisted. Without doubt, this prince has the power to make himself invisible. Even now, he may have slipped past us unseen. If this be so, and I fail to tell the wizard what I saw, I shall surely be punished. I go to warn him. The others shrugged their shoulders. Go, if you choose, they said. For our own part, we think it not impossible that he lurks in some nearby hiding place from whence he steals forth at times, watching his opportunity to slip in unobserved. He saw you and has retreated to it. We will keep close watch as before. He will return, and then we will secure him. If, on the other hand, he has power to make himself invisible and passes unseen, we are not to blame. Even as they thus spoke, Prince Ember stood near them, listening to their words. It was as the first imp had suspected. On passing into the cave of darkness, he had, by his own power of enchantment, made himself invisible, and having overheard the watchers talking together, he had paused so that the imp who had seen him might go before him, and without being aware of it, would guide him directly to the wizard. The imp did not stop to argue longer with his companions, but snatched up a lantern, sped off at once, and close behind him went the unseen prince. As they went onward, Prince Ember saw opening to either side of them many hushed and gloomy passageways, down which, without his guide, he might easily have strayed. But by his unexpected good fortune, and far sooner than, at the beginning of his journey, he had dared to hope. He came suddenly into the great cave hall. Its grim walls rose high on all sides, close hung with their swaying curtains of soot. The glistening fragments of charcoal that covered its floor lay like a thick carpet beneath the feet. In the centre of the vast room stood the wizard, quite alone, forbidding enough in himself clad as he was in long black robes, over which his dingy beard fell from his grim face almost to his feet. He seemed yet more so because of his huge black urns that were ranged about him in a circle. The sides of the urns were covered with curious inscriptions and only the wizard knew by these signs what deadly mists and vapours were confined under their ponderous lids. 
on a table at his side, his case of evil ones stood open, and as he needed the one or the other for his enchantments, he lifted it out and waved it over the urn which he chose, muttering strange words meanwhile in an unknown tongue. His book of craft also lay open before him, so that he might diligently consult it before the working of each new spell. At this moment he was bending above it, wand in hand, reading intently. Even in his zeal to disclose to his master what had happened at the entrance to the cave, the imp dared not tread within the circle of enchantment. He cast himself upon his knees without it, bowed low his head, and cried aloud, Sir Wizard, O Sir Wizard, hearken. Interrupted in such unexpected fashion while he was in the midst of his wicked task, the wizard turned abruptly and bent upon his servant a glance of dark displeasure. How dare you disturb me in the working of my spells, he thundered. Have I not strictly forbidden any to tread within this hall during the hour of enchantments? Alas! that I should have ventured to disobey you, my master, stammered the imp with trembling voice. He knew well the punishment that waited on disobedience, yet he feared far more what might be meted out to him if he should withhold that which he had come to say. Only the news I bring, he continued humbly, could have made me disobey your commands. The wizard perceived that this was a matter of real importance. He laid down his wand, therefore, and prepared to listen. What is it that you have come to tell? he demanded. Encouraged thus, the imp began. As I stood near the cave mouth, I had a sudden vision of a stranger in ruddy garments. He stood at the entrance for an instant only, but plain to be seen against the light, and then vanished, I know not whither. It may be that my eyes deceived me, for when we made diligent search we could find no trace, but it may be also that he has made himself invisible, and is even now among us, lest it might be this stranger prince, perchance, for whom you bade us watch. I have left my companions on guard as before, while I came to tell you what I believe I beheld. I dared not do otherwise. You have done wisely commended the wizard. Without doubt it is the prince of whom Black Shadow has told me, for she said that we may know him 
by his ruddy garments. Whether or not he has made himself invisible, he shall not escape me. If he is here, I shall surely find him out. Rise now and return to your watch with the rest. Silently, the imp arose and obeyed. Prince Ember, standing but a little distance from the mystic urns, heard his swift footfalls echo down the corridor. The wizard stood for a moment, wrapped in thought, but presently he laid down the wand which he held in his hand and chose another from the case. He raised it aloft and waved it in a great circle above his head. By the power of this wand, he exclaimed, I bid any who stand invisible within this cave hall to become visible at once. As he heard the words, Prince Ember's heart stood still. He knew not the power of the wizard's wand, nor whether his own magic would surely be proof against it but his own spell held him firm, and he remained invisible. So certain was the wizard of the potency of his wand that he smiled grimly and confidently when he saw no one appear. Leaving the circle of his urns, he stepped to the entrance to the corridor and drew his wand across it. Let none pass this threshold unseen, he cried in a loud voice. Satisfied that he now had made all secure, he returned, Prince Ember watching him meanwhile. He took his place amid the urns and replaced his wand in the box with its fellows. He dropped the lid and turned the key. He closed and locked his book of craft also. Then he smote his hands together sharply, and, at the signal, the chief imp came running in to learn his desire. Take away these urns, the wizard commanded, and place my wands and book in safekeeping. The chief imp raised the book of craft from the table and bearing it carefully in his outstretched hands, disappeared with it from the hall. A moment later, he returned and carried away the box of wands in the same manner. With him came many imps who laid hands upon the ponderous urns and with heavy rumblings rolled them slowly away out of the cave. In the meanwhile, Prince Ember stood still, watchful beside the wall, waiting for some clue which would guide him to where the Shadow Witch lay imprisoned, for he knew well that without this he must surely go astray. He had not long to wait, for when presently the imps came flocking back to the cave hall, as they were always free to do when the hour of enchantment was done, 
the wizard gave a sign to his lantern-bearers. I go to visit my sister, the Shadow Witch, he said. Immediately they snatched up their lights and stood ready. The wizard crossed the farther end of the cave hall and touched the wall with his wand. Prince Ember saw the wall part instantly in twain, revealing the dim corridor beyond it. The imps plunged quickly into holding aloft their flickering lanterns that gave out but a feeble light in the gloom. The wizard strode after them, and at his very side stole the prince, overjoyed at this sudden and unexpected opportunity. The wizard paused and touched the wall again, and it closed soundlessly behind them. Then they went forward. Deep and yet deeper, into the very heart of the cave they penetrated, following its dark and winding ways. The prince observed each turn closely, so that when he should return, bringing with him the shadow witch, he might find his way out without error. At length they reached the wall that barred her dungeon, and the wizard struck upon it as he had the others. It yawned apart in its turn, and with such impetuous zeal did Prince Ember hasten towards the opening that he entered before the rest, sombre prison that lay within. In the first moment he saw nothing, but as the imps pressed into the room and ranged themselves along the walls, he was enabled, by the light of their glimmering lanterns to descry a dim, bowed figure seated there. It was the Shadow Witch. Her face was buried in her delicate hands. Her long black hair hung loose over her drooped shoulders and grey garments and fell in messes upon the ground. Plunged as she was in deep despair, even the opening of the wall had failed as yet to make her sensible of the coming of her brother and his servants. Beholding her thus, Prince Ember was stirred to deepest pity, and his heart burned to speak some instant word of comfort. With a powerful effort, he restrained himself, for to betray his presence to the wizard now would be to encounter he knew not what evil power, to endanger his chance of delivering her whom he had come to save. That which so moved the heart of the prince to compassion awoke only malicious delight in the wizard's breast. Ah, my sister, he said mockingly, drawing near to her. I find you less confident today than when we last met. Hope fades, I see. His voice aroused her. She lifted her head 
and raised herself slowly to her feet, and as she turned herself towards the wizard, Prince Ember beheld her face for the first time. He looked upon its wondrous beauty. He saw upon it the mark of the pain that she had endured. He gazed into the splendor of her great dark eyes, and love for her rose within him like a flood, a love so warm, so strong, that he knew instantly and for a certainty that in her he had found his true princess, she whom he could not choose but love with his whole heart. Thrilled with joy because of it, he waited for her voice. Silvery calm it fell upon his ears as she answered the wizard. Though hope may seem to fade for a moment, brother, it rises fast and soon. For there it is that within my breast that tells me that you cannot always hold me thus. She would have given much had the wizard not found her sunken in despair. But since he had done so, she was determined that she should not guess how deep that despair had been. The wizard smiled contemptuously at her words, and added taunt to taunt. I'll tell you, perchance, of that prince, then, who lingers near the cave mouth, seeking entrance, in the belief, no doubt, that he can succeed in snatching you from this prison and from my power. But let him not deceive himself. My guards are many and watchful. My friends without are strong and clever. He will never be able to escape all of these. Try how he may. The shadow witch started violently at such unexpected words. The help that she had yearned for had come. Prince Radiance, to whom she had been so true a friend, had not forsaken her in her need. That hope, of which she had boasted, and which had so nearly faded from her, sprang again to fullness of life. She threw up her arms in uncontrollable rejoicing, and her voice rang sweet and high and clear as she exclaimed, Ah, he has come at last, the good Prince Radiance. He has not failed me. Think not that your guards can stay him. Think not that your evil friends are able to destroy him. He has conquered them once. He will conquer them again. Already you yourself have felt his mystic power. You shall feel it once more, my brother. When he returns, I have done well to hope. Nay, not so fast, the wizard flung at her scornfully. He who comes is not Prince Radiance, but some stranger prince. One who owes you no friendship, whose power is untested, 
who has no cause to brave great dangers for your sake, grey woman that you are. From the perils that he must meet he will work soon turn back, if indeed he lives to do so. Undismayed, undiscouraged, the shadow witch bent her dark eyes upon him. What matter that he is a stranger, she cried confidently. They who come from that bright land count themselves no stranger to the weak and defenceless. They have, too, their own noble magic, before which ours is powerless. In a moment when you think not, it will be upon you, and its spell will overcome you. This prince is my friend, I know it well. The hour of my deliverance is at hand. Loud rang the laughter of the wizard. Harsh and vibrant it filled all the room and echoed back from the gloomy walls. Think you I would tell you of this prince, did I not know that he cannot reach you? Far hid from him you are, my sister, he triumphed. So deep within this came, and behind such walls as he can never penetrate, whatever be his magic, the secret that unblocks your dungeon lies with me only and with those to whom I choose to entrust it. The spell that holds it fast is the all-potent spell of the wizard of the cave. Proudly and boastfully he spoke, but all that he might say had no power to dim the hope and confidence of his sister. She deigned him no reply, but by her bearing he knew that she feared him not at all. When I come again, he jeered at her, I will bring you further news of this good prince and how his adventure fares. It will give you food for thought, perchance, as you sit here in your darkness. It will indeed sustain me, brother, she replied. Prince Ember, Near to her, though unseen, listened to her dauntless words, loved her yet more for her high courage and for her sorrowful beauty. Still smiling scornfully, the wizard turned away. The imps, knowing that he was now ready to depart, raised their lanterns. Their master touched the wall. It opened wide, and in an instant, master and slaves were gone, and the walls met silently and grimly together behind them. Beyond its barrier, their retreating footsteps grew fainter and yet fainter, until soon they could no longer be heard. Alone, as she believed herself now to be, in the imprisoning darkness, the shadow witch let fall her head and sighed deeply. Ah, that the time may not be long, she murmured. Ah, 
that this prince might hasten his coming, for I am very weary, even though I hope. Then, from the darkness near her, came a voice. Princess of the shadows, it breathed. I, Prince Ember, am here. At the words, her heart leapt within her breast. She raised her head quickly, thinking to pierce the blackness that surrounded her, and behold the one who spoke. As she did so, the gloom melted, and in its place, a soft, warm glow flooded all her prison. By its rich light, she saw before her a glorious figure, clad all in deep rose. Prince Ember, freed from his disguise. The radiant brightness of his ruddy garments made warmth and light about him. His eyes, ardent and glowing, were bent upon her, filled with a tenderness of sympathy and compassion, with a fullness of love that struck to her soul. His hands were stretched to her, his spirit drew her. A cry of wonder broke from the lips of the shadow witch. With her large eyes fixed upon him, sorrow fled from her face, and in its stead came joy where joy had never dwelt before. How had he come to her? she asked herself, to her in this prison dark. How had he pierced the thickness of those cruel walls? Why should his eyes rest in love upon her, the grey shadow witch? And yet it was true, he was there, the glorious prince, come to save her. Her face dropped suddenly to her quivering hands, lest it should betray to him too plainly how her heart went out to him, in love and gratitude. Radiance, that first bright prince, had awakened her to the keenest longings for a nobler life, a truer magic. But he who stood before her now gave this and more, gave love, brought happiness. The prince came nearer till he was close beside her, and as he did so, her cheek, till now so pale, flushed to a crimson glory against the dusky splendour of her hair. Gently he drew away her shielding hands and looked into her loving face, bright as none but he had ever seen it. Gently he raised her drooping head and looked into the sweetness of her eyes. Dear Shadow Witch, he whispered tenderly, come, ah, come with me and leave behind forever the darkness of this evil place. Low was her voice and soft as she made answer. Happy, thrice happy am I, Prince Ember, that I may leave with you.
Chapter 10 When the wizard parted from his sister, he believed that she was hopeless in his power, but as he proceeded on his way, he began to recall to himself how defiantly she had bore herself at last, and with what confidence she had spoken. He remembered, too, how often she had baffled and eluded him before he had imprisoned her, and he knew that it was not entirely impossible that she might do so again. Could she but release herself from the deep darkness that surrounded her, all her own magic would return to her, and then, in spite of all his guards, she might be able by means of one of her clever tricks, to make her way to liberty. Thinking of these things, he reached a bend in the corridor where two ways met. The one went directly on to the cave hall, but the other led away into that remote and dangerous part of the cavern where lay the pit of fumes. Thither he was wont to go to practice his most secret arts. No imps ever dared to dread that way, for it was well known that none but himself could pass over in safety. He paused, for he suddenly bethought himself of how easily he could, by a stroke of enchantment, close with a wall the way to the cavern hall and leave only that one open which led to the pit of fumes. Then if by some strange means his sister should contrive to escape from her dungeon, she would unsuspectingly go to the pit of fumes. This she would be unable to pass, and would, therefore, be forced to return to the prison that she had left. The wizard laughed aloud, for the thought pleased him well. He determined to prepare this trap for her at once. Abruptly he bade the imps to rest their lanterns. They did so, and stood motionless with eyes fixed on their master. The wizard bent on them his sternest gaze. Let none dare to look upon that which I am about to do, he commanded. Immediately his slaves fell upon their knees, and with their eyes fast shut, and heads bowed to the dust, meekly awaited his pleasure. It was as if they held their very breath, so deep with the silence of the cave. From beneath his cloak, the wizard drew his jet-black wand. He waved it towards the walls and repeated, in a voice so low that none but himself could hear them, strange words of enchantment. Under their spell, the cave walls began to draw slowly together, and before long they stood firmly closed across the way by whence he had come. Replacing his wand, 
the wizard turned to where his servant still knelt with guarded eyes. Arise and go forward, he commanded them. With one accord they sprang to their feet, and without one glance behind to discover what their master had done, they went rapidly ahead of him. While the wizard departed in content, Prince Ember made ready to open the dungeon of the Shadow Witch, so that she might go free. With her at his side, he stood before the thick wall that barred the way to the corridor. He laid his hand upon his fairy sword and unsheathed it. It glowed and burned with living fire. With its bright point, he touched the wall in that self-same place where the wizard was wont to pass through, and on its blackness he traced the scarlet outline of a door. Breathless, the shadow witch followed with her eyes the moving point of fire, followed it till the outline was complete and the sword fell back into the sheath. Without a word, but with swift beating heart, she waited in her place by Prince Ember's side to see what wondrous things that sword could do. Wondrous indeed, for silent and of itself the door swung open, and the corridor that led to freedom was before her. Prince Ember took her hand, and together they crossed the threshold, but when they had passed it, he paused and spoke one charmed word. As silently as it had opened, the door closed behind them at its creator's command, and its outlines vanished, leaving the wall the grim, unbroken barrier that it had been before. Ah, my good prince, whispered the shadow witch, looking up, what magic is yours? He spoke no word in answer, but raised her hand to his lips and kissed it. Then they began their journey along the winding of the corridor, that stretched away and away into a gloom that seemed to have no end yet the place where they trod was bright about them, made so by the ruddy glow which streamed from the figure of Prince Ember. In the warmth and cheer of it, the shadow witch glided happily, and as they left her prison farther and farther behind, she became more and more her former self, and again felt stirring to life within her the old-time power of magic of which she had been so long deprived. They came at length to the wall which the wizard had set to mislead his sister. Seeing nothing to arouse their suspicions, they went straight on. After travelling for some distance, however, Prince Ember all at once became aware that it was not the way over which he had gone with the wizard and his servants. He stopped 
and began to look sharply about him. On every hand, it was unfamiliar to him. The shadow witch saw that he was troubled, but she could not guess the reason. What is it? she asked anxiously. When we left the prison, he answered, we took the way by which I had come to you. There was no other. But now it is not the same. There has been no place where we could have turned aside, she assured. Nowhere has there appeared any other way open to us. And yet we have gone astray, the prince insisted. There can be no doubt of it. All that I see now, I have never seen before. You are sure of it? asked his companion. I am sure of it. The eyes of the shadow witch flashed with sudden understanding. It is the enchantment of my brother, she declared. Lest, perhaps, I should escape him, he has closed the true way and left this open as a trap for me. Be sure that it leads not to the cave hall, except through dangers into which he believes that I will not dare to venture. Be these dangers what they may, replied Prince Ember. I will, by my good magic, overcome them all. And now, since there is no way but this, let us go upon it without tarrying. Indeed, we cannot choose but to take it, agreed the Shadow Witch. They resumed their journey, therefore, and now, though the way behind them had been gloomy, that which stretched before them grew more and more so. Yet the darker it became about them, the brighter was the glow that streamed from Prince Ember, and the more surely was the shadow which sustained and cheered thereby. After a while, they saw that they were approaching an open space which was wrapped in thick darkness. Beyond it, their eyes could not penetrate, but in the midst, they beheld shapes like wreaths of vapour arising from below. The shadow witch turned pale and caught Prince Ember by the arm to draw him back. Go no farther, she cried in warning. Go no farther, I beg of you. Yonder is certain destruction for us both. It is the pit of fumes. Those dread and yellow misty carry poison in their breath. Though that be so, yet I must conquer them, for behind us lies your prison, the prince replied to her. To it we must not return. Never shall you risk such danger for my sake, the shadow witch answered firmly. Better an endless prison for me than such dreadful peril for you. I speak of what I know. None but my brother has 
ever dared to enter yonder place, you shall not go. And when this place is passed, demanded the prince, what lies beyond? What matters it what lies beyond, when destruction lies between? She murmured sadly. Were the way ever so open, when the pit is past, it is closed to us who stands upon this side. What lies beyond? demanded he again. Answer me truly, for I must know. Then the shadow witch knew that she must tell him. She covered her face with her hands, and her tears fell fast. For a moment she could not speak. Prince Ember dried her tears with a tender hand. What lies beyond, he insisted gently. The shadow witch clung to him desperately. The way to the cave hall, she admitted. But, oh, I cannot let you venture where the pit lies. No, no. Many times have I heard my brother boast to his neighbours that none but himself can draw nigh to it. Listen, dear Shadow Witch, said the prince consolingly. Yonder is a place of terror, in very truth, yet we shall pass in safety. In spite of that, there is good magic which can put to naught even this evil pit of your brothers. Look, I will show you. He thrust his hand into his breast and took out a small, round box which was hidden there. This is the gift of him who is oldest and wisest in all the kingdom of the fire, he told her. When he gave it, he assured me that when the dangers of the way were greatest, when the way itself seemed closed beyond all hope, that this which my box contains will conquer the danger and make the road to safety plain. Opening the box, he took out the piece of charcoal that lay within. Stay you here, he bade, until I have prepared the way. But she was not willing that he should go without her. Whatever comes, we meet it side by side, she declared. Nothing that he could say would persuade her to do otherwise, and so at last he consented. But as they drew nearer to the pit, the noisome odour of its fumes swept towards her and overcame her. Her face grew pale, and she began to sink to the ground. The prince knew that in spite of her courage, she could endure no more. He led her back a little way, and forced her gently to rest upon a jutting of the wall. There he left her, weak and trembling, to await his return. Stronger arose the breath of the pit and yet more deadly grew its fumes as the prince drew near it. But he was undismayed. 
Straight towards the yellow mist he went, and in his hand was the gift of the wise one. Presently he reached that point where he himself dared go no farther. The choking vapours floated round him, but the pit itself, yawning wide and terrible, was still some distance from where he stood. Now he must trust to the strength of his arm, to the sureness of his aim. He drew himself to his full height. He threw back his arm and hurled the magic charcoal straight to its mark. Descend into this pit, he cried as it left his hand. Descend and make this evil place to exhale no more. Like an arrow it sped, into the very heart of the pit it fell, and then were the wise one's words fulfilled. Like surly slaves, obeying unwillingly, the yellow mist sank back into the pit, lower and lower, till they were seen no more, and with them, went their noisome breath, leaving the air pure and clean. As they vanished, the way which led out of this hollow chamber to the corridor beyond lay plainly visible along the very edge of the pit. Prince Ember was about to go and fetch the shadow witch from where he had left her, but he had no need. She had felt her strength come flooding back to her when the mists departed, and immediately she rose and came to him. Why should I ever fear when you are with me? she whispered to him. How can I ever fail to trust your power to conquer and to save? Away from the now vanquished pit of fumes they hurried, along a corridor as dusky and deserted as the first had been. Before they had gone far upon it, they heard the low murmuring of voices, and soon found themselves at the entrance to a low and vaulted chamber, dark like all the rest, but set about with dim lanterns and peopled with many imps, busy at strange tasks. Some stood before dingy looms, weaving huge curtains of soot to replace those which covered the walls in the cave hall. When they should become worn and drop to pieces, others sat upon blocks of charcoal and braided ropes of darkness to bind those who disobeyed the wizard's will, and though they knew that they themselves might at any time be bound by them, they durst not make them less strong than their master ordained that they should be. Over them stood the chief imp, whose business it was to see that none failed in his duty, or gossiped unduly with his neighbours, and so deeply engaged in their several tasks were one and all, that none heard the sound of approaching footsteps. No one knew that any but themselves were near, till quite by accident the chief imp raised his head and saw within the doorway of the chamber the ruddy form of Prince Ember 
standing, and by his side, the grey shadow witch, whom all had believed to be closely guarded by the walls of her distant prison. Before the chief imp could give a command, before any other could cry out or attempt evil, the prince had drawn forth the wand from beneath his mantle and raised it. Clear and strong his voice fell on their ears, saying, Stir not from your places, nor speak, until the hour when the feet of the shadow witch stand once more within the safe borders of her own land. Under Prince Ember's spell, each servant of the wizard became fixed in his place, unable to move or to utter a syllable. With staring eyes, they beheld the prince and his companion advance, and pass through their very midst, whilst they remained powerless to do so much as stretch out a hand to clutch at their garments. In their rebellious ears, the words of his enchantment were still ringing, as he departed with the shadow witch from their sight.